Thanks, Rochelle. Hey, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. We are in a series called Moses, a story of doubt and deliverance. We're in a part of that series called the Big Ten, the Big Ten Commandments. So you come to church on Mother's Day and there was this special sermon on honoring your mother. You come to church on Father's Day and it's stop lying. All right, so the sermon today is do not lie. We have arrived at the ninth commandment, do not lie. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. It's been heavy the last few weeks. We've talked about some serious things and this topic is no different. When it comes to the topic of lying, we need to understand going into it that we live in a land of lies and we are a big part of the problem. We don't just experience the problem, we all contribute to the problem. We are used to being lied to and deceived because lies are everywhere. Am I right? For example, there were some advertisers who have gotten caught in lies about their products. We don't really trust what we hear about products anymore, do we? Check this out. Here's one product that got caught in a lie. That's the Subway Footlong. Do you notice anything strange when you put it next to a ruler? Not a foot long. So in 2013, Australian consumers uh, noticed that their footlong sandwiches were shorter than a foot. So the Subway Facebook page said... The footlong is a registered trademark as a descriptive name for the sub sold in Subway restaurants and not intended to be a measurement of length. Oh, we call it a footlong, but it doesn't mean it is a footlong. See what I mean? Advertisers deceive us. Check this out. Red Bull got in trouble because Red Bull settled a $13 million class action lawsuit because it claims to increase performance, reaction speed, and concentration. But they found out it actually contains less caffeine than a cup of coffee, like half of what a cup of coffee has, which led consumers to question where all of these things, these claims will be substantiated. What about the iPhone 3G? When that came out, it advertised itself as twice as fast, half the price. The problem is both of those were lies. It wasn't half the price. It wasn't twice as fast. They got sued. Their lawyers, Apple's lawyers said, no reasonable person in the plaintiff's position could have reasonably relied on or misunderstood Apple's statements as claims of fact. Meaning, if you're reasonable, why would you believe our advertisements? So there's another one. Rice Krispies got in trouble because they started putting on their boxes that Rice Krispies, Cocoa Krispies, now help support your child's immunity. Really? So the Federal Trade Commission called these claims dubious and ordered Kellogg to knock it off, which is great. The best one is Coca-Cola produces a beverage called vitamin water. Check it out, vitamin water. They marketed it, promising it would boost your immune system, help fight free radicals. They were sued. Coke responded. They were shocked that anyone thought the drink was healthy. (laughs) We're shocked that anyone thought vitamin water was healthy. We can't trust people, right? Because advertisers lie. There's all sorts of lying going on in sports, and it starts at a young level. Check this out. This is a picture of the Little League World Series champions from, I think it was 2001. Pitcher Danny Almonte uh, took his team uh, into the World Little League World Series, and he threw a perfect game and became a breakout media superstar. Fans couldn't believe a 12-year-old could throw that way, and they were right, because this kid was actually 14 He lied about his age. His parents lied about his age. He was a 14-year-old playing in a 12-year-old league. Lies! So they stripped him of the title. 
There are grown-up athletes who lie too. Lance Armstrong won seven, count them, seven Tour de France contests, but he was lying because he was doping. He was cheating, he was drugging, and then he was lying about it. All seven championships were stripped away from him. I don't know if you know this, but politicians lie too. See, I can't fool Illinois residents. But here we are. Here's a picture at a protest, right? You've got somebody. This was very common back in President Bush's era. Bush lied. Troops died, right? Lied. Um, when in the last election, man, did it get ugly. They actually sell lion Hillary dolls. Check it out. This is a picture for $24.99. I don't know your political, you know, allegiances, but if you need a last minute gift for dad, $24.99, a lion Hillary doll. People feel like they can't trust her, and then President Trump is no better in terms of his reputation of truth-telling. There is a website that tracks President President Trump's truth-telling, and here's here's a tweet they sent out just before his first State of the Union address. According to them... They say that, uh, you know, they list how much of President Trump's statements are true, mostly true, half true, mostly false, false, and pants on fire false. <laughs> and I know there are a lot of Trump fans who would think that this is a lie. See, because we just, in fact, this website crashed on the night of the State of the Union address because so many people were going to it to check the president's facts. The point is this, regardless of what party you're a part of, we often find ourselves doubting whether or not we are hearing the truth. When it comes to the media, they're no better. Here's a picture of Brian Williams. What did, what did Brian Williams do? Do you remember? What did he do? He, he what? Somebody said he lied, but no. According to him, he misremembered. He misremembered. He thought he was in a helicopter that got attacked by rocket fire, uh, but he just misremembered. It just didn't happen. So he got in trouble, lost his job, but who's interviewing him? Matt Lauer got it. Matt Lauer during the interview was like, you know, Brian, people aren't going to let things like these go these days. And Matt Lauer had been covering up all of this uh, sexual allegations. And so he got fired. The bottom line is this. We live in a land of lies and we are a big part of the problem. So how can we be? How can we become honest people in a day of deception. Let's pray because, boy, do we need God's help. Father, we ask that you would help us purify our hearts, purify our mouths, our lips. We know, Lord, that you want us to be truth-tellers. Show us how we can become honest people in a deceptive day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, it's very simple. It says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, a mountain, Mount Sinai, is on fire in front of the Israelites who escaped slavery in Egypt. Moses walks down with two tablets, the Ten Commandments, written by the finger of God. And one of those things says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. It's so important that God wants us to know his feelings about lying that he literally wrote it in stone. You can jot this down. Number one, what is lying? What is lying? We have to define the problem if we are going to then be able to solve it. And here's a definition. Lying is to speak falsely, intending to deceive. To speak falsely, intending to deceive. Here we are, you know, what are we, 1500 BC at the foot of Mount Sinai, and a lie is a lie then, and a lie is a lie today, and God is still concerned about this. A lie is to speak falsely, meaning you're saying something untrue, 
and you're intending to deceive, meaning you know it's not true and you're deceiving another person. In order to clarify what we are talking about today and what we're not, I want to go through a couple lists of gray areas because when it comes to lies, people will often use exceptions or gray areas or tough cases to justify their brand of lying. And I want to say that there, there are many complicated scenarios where telling the truth or knowing how much of the truth to tell or deceiving um, is, is a genuine moral dilemma. And I want to be able to sort through the complicated genuine moral dilemmas that require wisdom and, and versus the I lied on my taxes, okay? And if you can't separate those two, you're going to be like, well, there's certain situations where lying is right. Yeah, don't lie to get your kids into the theater to save $2, okay? So let's separate what gray areas are first. Uh, Gray areas would be when there are very complicated uh, moral situations. They're rare, and they involve multiple moral issues all colliding at once. So here's some examples of gray areas. When there's confidential or protected information. So if someone's like, don't tell people I'm pregnant, all right, she wants you to keep that in confidence. Now, you're walking out there and you're, you know, and someone's like, oh, I think she, I think she's pregnant. And you're like, oh, I need to tell the truth. I can't lie. You're right. She is pregnant. You know, no. When you're entrusted with sensitive information and you don't tell people, or even if you kind of cover up that fact for a time, that's actually a situation where the Bible applauds people who can protect a sensitive truth. The Bible applauds people who can be trusted with confidential information. People aren't just, who aren't just going to go out and blab the truth to everybody. So do you see how this is a gray area where telling the truth can actually be wrong? Because it's a sensitive situation and it's protected information. The Bible applauds people who can protect sensitive information. Rahab was applauded in Joshua chapter 2 because the spies showed up. They weren't great spies. They got caught on their first day. I suspect they were wearing those I Heart Moses t-shirts that we've been handing out in the gym. They got caught. So Rahab, you know, prostitute, is hiding them up on the roof, lying to the soldiers and sending them away. Then she uncovers them and makes a deal. And and you're like, wait a minute. She lied. She covered it up with her government. And she set a deal to, to keep herself alive, right? The Bible applauds all of this. And you might be like, what? How did they get into the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11? It's because this was protected information and these were protected people. God sent them on a mission. This was like a government action. And she knew that if the spies go back and she doesn't help them, she's dead when the army comes. And and she risked her life because if she got caught helping them, she's dead. This was a truly complicated moral situation. She's kind of dead both ways and she had to make a judgment call. She helped the spies and, and that ended up, in the end, being commendable. So you see how the Bible even records some situations where there's a protected group of people, and it took some deception to get them out, and she was rewarded for that. So when there's confidential or protected information or people, that would be an example of a gray area. Another one would be if the government is set up to oppose Christians or to oppose God, uh, some activities against that government are not sinful, even if they involve deception. For example, here's a picture of Brother Andrew. He's famous, uh, he's he's called God Smuggler. He's famous throughout the Cold War era for smuggling thousands of Bibles into closed countries, countries that said the Bible is illegal. 
and he got into Bulgaria, he got into Romania, he smuggled Bibles in. Now, he wrote a whole book on the ethics of that. How can he justify sneaking and lying to get Bibles into the country? Uh, and the point is this. When there is a government or an, an, or an anti-Christian or anti-God government or policy, there are times where deception can be involved to counter what that government is doing. There's an example in Exodus 1 when Pharaoh commanded that the midwives kill all the baby Jewish boys. Kill them all. Kill the baby boys. And the midwives lied and said, you know what? Hebrew women are vigorous. They give birth before we even get there. It's a lie. And they did it to save lives because the wicked government policies, you know, obeying them would be criminal. Do you see how this is morally complicated, though? If they obey the government order, then they're killing people. Uh, if they don't, their lives are in jeopardy. So this is a true moral dilemma. Uh, please understand how different that is, you know, difference between the morality of smuggling in Bibles or saving babies versus cheating on your taxes or lying about your age, okay? Very different moral problems. Another example of a gray area would be when there's criminal activity and you're working to counter it. So we partner with a church in Uganda and that pastor from time to time gets called in to, to go and help women who have been uh, taken into sex slavery in other countries. So the pastor and the government work together. He goes to this other country and sets up meetings with these girls. It's deceptive and he gets them and then he gets them to the airport and he flies them home because they were lured into this through some, some trap. See, so that's an example of something where deception is part of a righteous plan. Uh, these are gray areas. You know, when the CIA sets up a sting to, to catch terrorists, when a male police officer is acting like you know, a 12-year-old teenage girl to catch a sexual predator. These are gray areas that involve overlapping moral situations. When it comes to gray areas, understand the rules. Search the scripture to confirm that it is indeed gray. If the Bible says it's black and white, then it's not gray. Get advice from wise believers who can help you understand the situation. Check the law to know if it's wrong, and then listen to your conscience. Now, all of that these are examples of things that we're not going to talk about at length today. But if you find yourself having this moral dilemma where you're like, I don't know, my boss does this and I just play a part, get wisdom. And you might need to take a stand and you might need to risk your reputation. You might need to speak up to be a truthful person. Uh, but when it comes to the gray areas, we're going to set those aside right now and we're going to devote the rest of our time to black and white, you just lied. And there's no reasoning your way out of it. Number two, write this down. How do we lie? What, what, what do we do that constitutes sinful activity that costs us our credibility and must be repented of? That's not confusing. It's not that confusing what just happened. We just lied. All right, so there's different types of lies, and you can fill these in as we go through them. Write this down. There's just a bold-faced lie. I mean, you just lie. Everyone knows what it is you've been lied to you've lied you just lie my daughter ellie when she was in kindergarten was sitting in circle time my wife showed up to be a room mom that day and she was off in the corner and ellie not used to having mom there was engaging with her peers in kindergarten and the teacher read a story about a camel and ellie raised up her hand nice and high and said teacher i have ridden a camel not true i have ridden a camel and the teacher and all the other kids were like, wow. She's like, I know. And the teacher said, Ellie, is that true? And she goes, uh-huh. And then she looked over at mom and goes, uh-uh. <laughs> it's that quick. You know, she's like, oh, I better put off my lying until tomorrow when mom's gone. 
It's the whole, I just lied. I do it for a number of reasons, but I just lied. Uh, so there's the bold-faced lie. Then there's the white lie, the fib, the little lie. Is this really sinful? Like if I lie about, you know, a little thing. Like I, I read a quote from Lucille Ball. You know, I love Lucy. She said, the secret of staying young is to live honestly, eat slowly, and lie about your age. You want to stay young? Eat slowly, lie about your age. Is lying about your age really as sinful as lying in front of a federal grand jury? I mean, like, really? You're telling me that a little white lie, a little fib is bad? Well, you have to understand that it's not the size of a sin that makes it deadly. It's the nature of the sin that makes it deadly. It's not the size. It's not the amount of poison you drink. It's the strength of the substance. And the substance of sin is fatal. So when it comes to little white lies, we have to understand that small lies never stay small and they never travel alone. If you lie small, you'll lie big. Because for such a small price, you have, you've lost your credibility. So you have to win the battle at the smallest level. Do you, I watch Animal Planet. Do you know what the most, uh, what the deadliest animal on planet Earth is? What's the deadliest animal? Do you know? It's a mosquito. It's a mosquito. So, so you can rid the world of like bears and it's not safer because those little buggers are spreading malaria everywhere they go. So if you don't swat the small lies, you're in for a big surprise because small lies are just as fatal. So white lies are sinful. Exaggeration is another one. Exaggeration is where you take a story or a fact or something and then you start supersizing it. You can do this to hurt other people, to undermine their reputation. So typically when you hear somebody who got into a fight with somebody else, here's how this story goes. I was just sitting there as innocent and harmless as a little kitten, practically purring. And then this person comes along and starts shouting at me. And I was like, oh my dear, something has made you upset. Can't we just talk this through calmly, friend? And then she continued to shout at me. And, and then you talk to the other person, and she's like, oh, is that what she said happened? Oh, she just sat there like, let me tell you what she said. See, when you only hear one side of it, we tend to exaggerate the sin of the other person to make ourselves look better. So exaggeration is a lie. When it comes, here's the reason why. The reason why is because your definition of integrity is stretchy, right? And people won't trust your words if they think that you will change the story so that it's not truthful. When it comes to, flattery is another form of exaggeration. If you flatter, you know, sure, people might smile in the moment, but in the end, they'll know you're not telling the truth. You know, you're schmoozing them. So that's exaggerating another person's good traits. The next one is omission. So you're telling half the truth. So your teenage son, you know, comes home and you're like, where'd you go? And he's like, the store. And then it's like, what kind of store? Uh, I don't know. And then it's the liquor store. And you're like, you need to tell me the truth. I did. I went to the store. No, you went to the liquor store and you were underage. See, leaving information out strategically, that's lying. Because you're not telling the full truth. When you run into somebody who's caught in a lie, 
it's a problem when, they, when they, you, you kind of hold out your hand for the truth and they just kind of give it to you one piece at a time, right? Like, how many times has this happened? Once. Yeah, but somebody else said it happened again. All right, twice. Yeah, but this person said, okay, fine, three times. And they just kind of empty their pocket one lie at a time, but they don't open the whole thing up and tell you the truth. That person's lying, lying, lying because they're not telling you the whole truth. That's a lie of omission. Broken promise is another lie. This is why, you know, you signed a contract that you broke or you even wedding vows. This is why divorce is so awful because you made a promise before God and witnesses and you broke your promise. You told a lie. Plagiarism is another one. This is where you're using the words of others to get credit for yourself. That's lying. And then rumors and gossip. You're just making up things to hurt other people. Uh, so this is how we lie. These are the types of lies. And I would imagine we're all guilty of every single one of these lies. We've also felt the pain when these lies are directed against us. So why do we do it? Why do we lie? Well, there are many reasons. We want to avoid consequences. We want to get something. We want to protect our reputation or injure an opponent. We want to protect others, like lying for a friend. Uh, But primarily we lie because we're afraid, and we want to protect ourselves and our sins. That's primarily why we lie. So this is how we lie, and that's what lying is. Number three, write this down. Why is lying wrong? Why is lying wrong? And we're asking ourselves this question in a day that doesn't value truth anymore. It doesn't value truth. Time Magazine ran a, a cover story. Check it out. The whole cover was, Is Truth Dead? We're being told we live in a post-truth society. Post-truth was like one of the most searched words. It was like words of the year. Post-truth. So how on earth can we be honest people in a post-truth world? Why would we be honest in a post-truth world when people can just, you know, you be you, you live you, whatever's good for you is good, you know, and and people are rethinking some things that have been nailed down for centuries. The fact that truth is under assault, the fact that we live in a world that no longer can even think it knows the basic truths of biology and of history and of science, this didn't just happen out of nowhere. The philosopher Nietzsche wrote many years ago this, this, this the thoughts that came from this man are responsible for the death of millions of people, mind you. He wrote this, truth is a sum of human relations, which have been poetically and rhetorically intensified, transferred, and embellished, and which after long usage seem to a people to be fixed. Truths are illusions which we have forgotten are illusions. In other words, there's no such thing. Anything you think is true can be changed, Um, which might be convenient if you're talking about a small matter, but this thinking went on to undermine things like liberty, and uh, things like the value of all different races of people, and things like dignity of the individual. So if all of these truths can be rethought and undermined and disregarded, then there's a clear path to war and conquest. We're living in a day when truth is gone. So why is lying wrong? Well, jot this down. It's because it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. In the heavenly realms, there is a primarily information warfare happening. It's all intelligence. It's all truth that's being fought over. There's not like nukes in heaven. That's not the type of warfare that's being waged. It's information. So in John 8, 44, Jesus said this to the Pharisees, You are of your father the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning. It has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is fascinating. The origin of lies, where they came from, it started in the heart of an angel who believed that he was more worthy of glory than God himself. That lie that's still festering in the heart and soul of one previously good spiritual being has led to all of your suffering in this world. And he still believes it and wants it to be true. And he wants you to believe it. He wants you and me to believe that God is unworthy of our worship and our respect because God is not the one who should be running the show. Sadly, we have all agreed with the father of lies in our own hearts. When Satan had to pick from the shelf of sins which tool he would use to plunge humanity in darkness, he reached for a lie. He lied to Adam and Eve about God. You will not surely die. You'll be like God. God knows you'll be like him. God's holding you back. That's what plunged the world into wickedness, a lie about God. Deep in the soul of heaven itself, a lie is wreaking havoc. The lie that Satan deserves what belongs to God. That God is unworthy or unable to rule perfectly. You will believe this lie. That you deserve what belongs to God. That God is unworthy or unable to rule your life perfectly. And you'll be consumed with a lie that will never be true also. We believe this lie. Because of this, Satan knows how to get you. We're interviewing youth pastor candidates right now. We do a thorough interview and we ask a lot of questions. But one of my favorite questions at the end of an interview is simply this. How does Satan get you? Then I just listen. And you can tell. It's like the guy gets punched in the nose because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. How does Satan get you? And it's different for each person. But if you trace Satan's tactics all the way back, he actually tries to get us the same way. He lies. He lies to you about God. He lies to you about others. And he lies to you about yourself. That's where your strife comes from inside, your self-image. In your relationships, he's lying to them about you and you about them. That's where the strife comes from spiritually. You don't trust God because you're being lied to. This happens at the soul level. So lying is wrong because it's a spiritual battle. Next, write this down. Because it's against God's nature. It's against God's nature. We see the destructive power of lies in the heavenly realms, but get this. If you could... If you could open the curtain and see into the heavenly realms, you would see a battle for truth and for falsehood. But if you could open the curtain of heaven and look past even that, because heaven's a created place, you would see an eternal being. An eternal being who has existed forever. He's never not been. And beyond heaven and earth, what you would find is a being who is true. And because truth is tied to God's nature... You're not just breaking a civil law when you lie. You're not just even participating in a heavenly uprising against God. You're actually going against God's very being. Truth is true and right because God is true. Therefore, when we go against truth, we go against God's nature. Titus 1, 1 to 2 says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. The whole universe hinges on a God who tells the truth. 
And therefore, our whole lives should revolve around the truth, not around falsehood. So it's a spiritual battle. That's why it's wrong. It's against God's nature. That's why it's wrong. And write this down. It also springs from a fearful, doubtful, selfish heart. Fearful. Fearful because I'm afraid of what happens if the truth comes out. Doubtful because I don't think God will provide for me or protect me if I tell the truth. And selfish. It really is self-protecting. Proverbs 26, 28 says this, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. Wow, lying to someone is hating them. Flattering someone is ruining them. This is the way the Bible evaluates the words that come from the mouth. This is why lying is wrong. I like what Pastor Colin Smith said. He said, the reason we're prone to lying is we are more deeply committed to ourselves than we are committed to the truth. See, but when we're more deeply committed to the truth, then we will suffer if it means suffering for the truth. So, number one, what is lying? We covered that. Number two, how do we lie? Covered that. Number three, why is lying wrong? It's a spiritual battle. It's against God's nature. It springs from a fearful, doubtful, selfish heart. Number four, how does God treat liars? Write that down. How does God treat liars? The Bible clearly describes the problem and tells us who's in the group known as liars. In Romans 3, 12 to 13, it says this, All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Listen, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. So how does God describe a liar? How does God describe what he sees when we're lying? Just go up to somebody after church today, they're sipping their coffee, they're eating their cookie, and just go right up to them and be like, you have a forked tongue. What? Snake mouth. Just do it. At the Father's Day family party, just walk up to somebody and say, is, is that a snake fang I see in your mouth? Because I feel like you're just dripping poison. This is what the Bible is saying. The Bible is describing deception in such graphic terms. It's as if God sees a snake on your face. Wow, that's not good. And then it's even worse. He says their throat is an open grave. Yuck. Imagine going to a grave and digging it up and putting the casket on the ground and then opening it up. Oh my What is even in there? Uh, and that's your mouth. That's what's coming out of your mouth. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine in an open grave being like, look, that's what's coming out of your mouth in God's sight. Death. Venom. Wow. So God has feelings about this, and they're very strong. This verse, Romans 3, 12 to 13, quotes Psalm 5, 9 and Psalm 143. So Old and New Testament, God's feelings haven't changed. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, God trims the list of 10 commandments. He gives another list of seven things he hates. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. Get this, a false witness who breathes out lies. Wait a minute, I thought you already said lies. Number two, yeah, I'm saying it again. Two and six, lies and lies. Two out of the seven. And one who sows discord among brothers. Wow. Talk about nailing it down, how God feels about lies. 
And it says in Romans 3.12, all have turned aside, which means we're all guilty of this. So God sees that and he describes it. Fill this in. Therefore, God judges liars. God judges liars. The day is coming when you'll stand before a holy God with all the angels, people from every age, nation, tribe, and tongue are there. And your book, your book is open and all the lies are there, all of them. The ones you got caught in and you have to painfully remember them. The ones that you didn't get caught in and now they're coming out. That is a terrifying reality. That day is almost here. In Revelation 21.8, it says this, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, you're like, all right, I'm not those things, and all liars, uh oh, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is terrifying. Our lies will condemn us forever. If, if we were only judged on the basis of the lies we told, God would have enough to put us away for eternity. That's terrifying. God judges liars. But jot this down. This is the great news. God saves liars. God saves liars. Wow. In Psalm 122, it says, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue, and God will save you if you ask him to. Listen, I don't know how you're planning to get to heaven, but if you think that God's going to look into your book on the day of judgment, and by the time he gets through the last page, he's going to be like, seems like a good guy, let's let him in. Really? Really? You really think that? That's not going to happen. The truth is that everything that's found in your book will condemn you, and then what? But the Bible says this, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Do you know what your plan needs to be, the only plan that will get you to heaven? Before the service today, we gave away Father's Day gifts. We had a table up here. We called your number. You walked up here. You took a present you didn't pay for, and you went back and sat down. That's the only way you can get to heaven. Jesus calls your name, you come up on stage, you take something that you didn't pay for, and you go back and sit down. But what you take is eternal life. And the price he paid for it was his life. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of your sins. You could never pay that off. You know the agony of trying to pay something off that you can't quite get ahead of? Your sins will never be paid off by you. But Jesus at the cross made the final payment for your sin. If you come up on stage and trust his payment, you get a free gift, eternal life. And then you go back and sit down and it's done. That's it. How are you going to get to heaven? I'm going to go grab something I didn't pay for and I'm going to go back and sit down. Done. That's the only way you can be saved. There is no other way. Jesus lived the perfect life. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. He was thrown in a tomb. And then on the third day, he rose again. He now rules at the right hand of the Father. He rules heaven. Heaven is his, not yours. Heaven is his kingdom and home, not yours. When it comes to how you're going to get to heaven, you have to realize that each one of us has deserved an address down below. And only Jesus can change our residency if we come to him. Hey, are you ready to turn from your sin? Are you ready to reach out and receive the free gift that only Jesus can give you? Are you, are you ready to stop with your effort trying to please God and understand it's over? You failed, but God will receive you as you are and wash you so that your sins are white as snow. 
I want to give you a chance to pick up something much better than a giant box of popcorn or a handyman book or anything. I, I could have put everything that the world is selling on Amazon right now on the table and what I'm about to offer you is worth infinitely more than that. It's the free gift of eternal life. You in heaven, streets of gold forever. The only way you can get that is by confessing your sins, which includes lies, to the Father. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now and talk to him about what we've heard. Father in heaven, we are all guilty. We know how you feel about our lies, but we still lie. Lord, I know that there are some who have not yet repented of a life of lying. They've not yet repented and turned around, understanding that judgment is coming. Lord, I pray for those today who are ready, ready to cry out for help, for forgiveness, for freedom. They're ready, Lord, to confess to you that they have been dishonest, Lord. I pray that they would talk to you right now in their heart, ask for forgiveness for their lies, determined to come clean with the lies that they can clear up now and accept whatever consequences come their way. Lord, in their own hearts, may they say this, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I'm a liar. Forgive me. Teach me to be an honest person in a deceptive day. Teach me, Lord, to live for you regardless of the consequences. Cleanse me and wash me and start with my mouth. Lord, I know that Tim Keller once said that words change when hearts change. And I know some people have battled this for a long time, but they're battling it at the wrong place. It's not their mouth. It's their heart that needs to change. Lord, we live in a day that's filled with lies. Every week our our ears fight off hundreds of lies from being heard. But every week our tongues fight off hundreds of lies from being told. God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. We believe Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners like us. We believe that he will receive liars like us. But we must confess the truth about him. Jesus, you are the crucified and risen Savior. Save us. Save us forever. Fill us with peace, knowing that you are the truth. We have you. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand and let's sing one more song together.